right, guys, we're in 1 John. Everybody got a study sheet. We're in 1 John chapter 1. We're kind of going through. I've entitled this series Love Letters from John because we're, we're basically going through the epistles of John. So we're in 1 John right now, then we'll do 2 John and 3 John. And so today, last week, I just want to remind you, he starts off in the prologue talking about the reality of Jesus Christ. And you kind of have to understand a little bit of why he's doing that, because, okay, probably if this letter is about written A.D. 90, he's the last apostle. Churches have been established throughout the Roman Empire. And so he's writing this letter, or it could be a theological treatise or a sermon that was being passed around, because there was starting to be a heresy that was popping up in which was kind of a Gnosticism. Gnosticism is from the Greek word knowledge. And so these folks felt that there were only certain people who had special knowledge. They saw the body as evil and the spirit as good. And so they were communicating that Jesus was, could not have been in a body, that he had to be a spirit. And, it's, and even with the resurrection, that the resurrection could not have been a bodily resurrection, but simply a spiritual resurrection. And so John starts off in that first part talking about, hey, we've, we've touched him, we've seen him, we've handled him. He was manifested to us. And, and the emphasis of the passage is, is that Jesus is not just some ordinary person or just some doctrine. He's salvation. And so we saw that in the first four verses. Now we're going to get to verses 5 and 10. That was about, the verse four, first four verses were about the reality of Jesus Now he's going to talk about the reality of your life. The reality of your life as a believer. And I'm just going to go ahead and say this right off the bat. This is actually going to be flowing through all of this epistle. Because he's going to be raising this issue throughout the coming chapters as we go through there. If you say you are a Christian, it's going to be reflected in your life. He's going to say that over and over and over again. And he's going to say that if these things aren't evident in your life, you might not be a Christian. So this is a pretty hard book. He said, I thought it was a love letter. Well, it is a love letter. Because he's encouraging you to live your life out of love for Christ, but he doesn't want you to be deceived. Now, let me just stop for a moment. Because some of you are saying, well, well, I believe in eternal security. I believe in eternal security, too. But here's the problem. The problem is, is when my theology tells me how to read my Bible, rather than letting my Bible develop my theology. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because some of you can hold to a position of eternal security, and if, especially if you came from a Baptist background, like I'm from a Baptist background, where we claimed eternal security, but it was almost like a license that we could do whatever we wanted to do, because once saved, always saved. But John's going to point out to us that that's not true, because your life, how you live it, is going to reflect where you're at. And if you are truly saved, you're saved. You're secure. The Holy Spirit seals you, Ephesians says, to the day of redemption. But it's going to be evident in your life. Yes, Laurent. Yes, there are, and the implication is, is that there were some from among them who claimed to be that, 
But the reality was, as he was saying, the apostles say, no, they weren't. They weren't from among, they, they weren't, they weren't of us. So we're going to go through this. I might torque some of you the wrong way here today. I don't intentionally want to do that to you. But it's the apostle who's torquing you that way, okay? What this is supposed to do is stir us to think about, do we truly reflect in our lives what we believe? That's really the point. If you want to write that down, you can't. Do we truly reflect in our lives what we believe? I'll say it again. Do we truly reflect in our lives what we believe? And if we're making excuses, that's not good. So let's go on. We're going to look, first of all, we're going to kind of divide this up into three sections. We're going to see verse 5. He's going to talk about the message again. Then we're going to look at verses 6 and 7. He's going to contrast darkness versus light. And then we're going to look at verses 8 through 10 where he contrasts hypocrisy versus honesty. Okay? So let's look at verse 5. Here's what the apostle writes. This is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So this is the message. Let's talk about it. First of all, the proclamation. The message is the reality of Jesus Christ who is salvation. That's the message. And and today, I'll be honest with you, today in North American Christianity, we water that down so much. We water that down. It's just, we, we try to, you know, we want everybody to be saved, so we try to find the easiest way for everybody to get saved. Well, I'm going to be honest with you, the message is hard. In fact, the Apostle Paul will tell us that to the Greek, to the Gentile, it's foolishness. To the, to the Jew, it's a stumbling block. People are going to react to the concept of what we're celebrating today, that someone would die on a cross for us, that a God would place his own son on a cross for us, and then he would be raised on the third day. People, some people think that's craziness. Well, how could you guys even think that? So, I mean, but what we want to do is we want everybody to be happy with us. Like, how many people here like somebody being mad at them? I mean, you just like people disliking you. You, you like wearing a bullseye on your chest for people to, to just hate you. Who's that here? The reality is, no. Nobody likes that. What we do, though, is we take that tendency over into a, to our Christianity. But the reality is, is that Jesus told us over and over that people aren't going to like us. We're going to suffer. We're going to experience persecution. That's just reality. And so he's saying here, the message that he's proclaiming is the reality of Jesus Christ, which is salvation. He goes on. He states that he heard this message from Jesus. So this message that he's talking about is the message that he got from Jesus. So verse 5, his whole point here is this. It is this message that he's proclaiming to us. What's the message? The person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, his sacrifice. Okay, so like for instance, let me, let me ask you, just in your mind, when I use the term gospel, what comes to your mind? When I use the term gospel, what comes to your mind? Okay, Jesus, what did you say? Bible, okay. What did you say, Mariah? Good news, okay. The actual meaning of the term is good news, okay. 
But a lot of times when we use the term gospel, some of you might be thinking in your mind, well, it's leading people through the sinner's prayer so that they can accept Jesus. Folks, what I just told you is not the gospel. The gospel is a person. It's the good news about a person. It's God come in human flesh, living sinlessly among us, going to the cross, dying for us, that we might have eternal salvation, that we might have the forgiveness of sins, that we might have reconciliation between us and God. That's the message of the gospel. And see, that's the message he's proclaiming to you. Remember now, he just talked about who it was in the first four verses, the reality of Jesus. We've touched him, we've handled him. Life was manifested through him to us. And he's saying, this is the message, okay? This is the message. We're proclaiming Jesus. Now, here's the essence of the message. The message is that God is light. The message is that God is light. Now you say, okay, what does that mean? Well, here's what light refers to. Light refers to that which is pure, holy, good, reliable, and true. Light refers to that which is good, excuse me, pure, holy, good, reliable, and true. And he's saying, this is when he's described, this is the message of who God is. So when you're talking about God, he, the essence of who he is is he's pure, he's holy, he's good, reliable, and true. Now here's what light does. Light reveals the true nature of things and people. Light reveals the true nature of things and people. And I think we understand that from everyday life, right? Like in my bathroom... We have a main bathroom light switch. And then we have a switch for the lights over the mirror. Now, why do we need to have a light over the mirror, ladies? What? So I can, yeah, I can beautify me. Get some, whatever, blush going or something, okay? So I can shave, make sure that I'm shaving okay. I mean, why do we do that? Because we want, what, more light to reveal what? Yeah, our flaws so we can... Touch them up, okay? But isn't that true? Light reveals where things are at, all right? And that's the nature of God. Here's the thing. There is no darkness in God at all. John's making the point. The message is, is that there's no darkness in God at all. Now, this would be significant in the time in which John is writing and preaching because he's in a what we would call a pagan world, but it's actually a polytheistic world that he is he's ministering to there in you know Greek Asia Minor and Greek and so in Greece and so forth in the Roman Empire because they believed in gods but the gods they believed in were almost like humans what do you mean by that they could have attitudes they could do wrong they could be manipulative i mean if you read if you ever read mythology some of the stories there are, you know, it's like there's not anybody pure and holy there, for sure. Okay, and that's the concept that people are having of the gods. Well, he's making the point here very clearly to us that God is light, and in him there's no darkness. There's nothing wrong in him. So here's what the definition of darkness is. Darkness refers to what is sinful and evil. 
Darkness refers to what is sinful and evil. In fact, doesn't James, in his epistle, tell us that? That uh, God does not tempt anyone to sin? Tells us that in the first chapter. So God's not going to provoke you to, to do evil. Okay? Now let's go on now. Look at light versus darkness. Let's look at verses 6 through 7. Here's where we start getting into where we're going to feel uncomfortable. Okay? And it's okay to feel uncomfortable. All right? Here's what he says. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Okay, so basically we're going to take these two verses and make them into two sections. We're going to talk first of all about walking in darkness, and then what it means to walk in light. Here's what John is saying, very just point blankly, okay? John is saying this, I'm reiterating it. We are liars if our profession is not expressed in our actions. Does everybody understand that? We are liars if our profession is not expressed in our actions. What's he saying here? He's saying here, if we say we walk in the light, that is, we're walking in the light of the message of the gospel, we're walking in salvation. If we say we're doing that, but our life reflects something else, that we're actually walking in darkness, we're liars. You can't get around that. Well, I believe that once we're saved, we're always saved. Yeah, I understand I believe that too, but... How do you know you're saved? Well, I remember when I got baptized, you, and maybe you baptized me, George. Well, you know what? Baptism doesn't save you. I remember when I walked an aisle. Walking an aisle doesn't save you. I prayed a prayer with my grandma. Praying a prayer doesn't save you. It is coming to the place of acknowledging who Jesus Christ is, and by faith, accepting who he is as God, and committing your life to him. Well, I believe. Yeah, but what does James say? Even the demons believe and tremble. But they're not changing their behavior, are they? In fact, they have a truer concept of who God is than we do. Because they've been in his presence. They know that he's the creator. They're facing his judgment now. So here's the, the reality is, is that we're liars if our profession is not expressed in our actions. Here's the other thing he's saying here. Our hypocritical lies reveal that we're not practicing the truth. That's really what he's talking about here. Our hypocritical lives reveal that we're not practicing the truth. Now let me just stop for a moment. When you look at those words there, okay, if you look at verse 6, it says if we walk in darkness... The tense of that word walk is a continual action. It's not a pastime event. It's that you are presently walking in darkness. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's that you, it is, it is a mark of your life right now. 
So if your life is marked by hypocritical living right now, you've got to back up and do some introspection. Wow, do I really believe that he is who he is? Do I really believe that he did what he was supposed to do for my life? Do you understand what I'm saying? You've got you to take, you take a, a moment and think through it. See, this is the problem. We, you know, let me just stop for a moment. Everything in Christianity, if you read through the epistles, if you read through the New Testament, is about you examining where you're at right now. For instance, when we come to the Lord's table. Doesn't Paul very clearly, we just celebrated last week, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we're not to partake unworthily, he says, but let a man what? Examine himself. You know, I just can't rest in, oh, I'm okay because 20 years ago I did this, but I haven't changed since then. Folks, if you haven't changed in 20 years, there's a problem. Because there's a process known as sanctification that should be happening in your life. The Holy Spirit is going to be producing in your life the fruits of the Spirit and, and bringing you to a place of where you become more like Christ in your life. Yeah, you're going to stumble. Yeah, you're going to fall. It's not that you're not going to sin, but the whole point here is, is that if, if you're continuing and, and you're just making excuses, he says you're, you're lying, you're not practicing the truth. But I know he contrasts that now with verse 7. He talks about believers who live in the light. Believers live in the light as Jesus is in the light. See, if you're trusting in Jesus, who is the light, who's in the light, you need to be living in the light. Because the light's going to reveal what in your life? Sin. Okay, so for instance, when I read the scripture, and if I'm communing with the Lord, if I'm walking with Him, the light of God's word is going to reflect on my life and it's going to reveal in me attitudes, actions, and a lot of other things that are not right in my life that I need to adjust to. The Holy Spirit is going to be using His Word in my life to convict me of areas where I need to adjust. And believe me, folks, He does do that. I, and I, I think I've told you this before, but I'm, I've been, you know, eight, this is April coming up. You know, it's going to be, what year is this? 13? It's going to be 28 years that I've been, that I committed my life to Christ. Okay? 28 years. Now I'm going to be honest with you. When I first got saved, he was dealing with sin issues that I had long ago dealt with. But 28 years later, do you know what he's doing? He's revealing in me now issues in my life that are contrary to his word that I need to deal with. In fact, I just had this thought the other day. I'll share a thought with you from my time with the Lord. Lord, why didn't you show this to me earlier so I could have dealt with it sooner? And the reality is, is that maybe I couldn't have handled being shown that earlier. Did you understand what I'm saying? I had to deal with other issues first. It's like he's peeling away the onion. It's like, look at me as like a big fat yellow onion. Okay? I'm a big fat yellow onion up here. Okay? And I, and I'm, you know, you've got to peel away the layers of junk in your life. And the Holy Spirit is in the process of peeling away the layers of junk in our life. Okay? He's going to do that because the light's going to continually reveal in your life things that need to be changed. And if you're the same way 20 years later, 
And nothing's changed as far as the junk in your life? There's a problem. Because the reality is, is that believers live in the light as Jesus is in the light. So true Christian fellowship is based upon how we can have true Christian fellowship here among each other is based upon living in the light. True Christian fellowship is based upon living in the light. Now, what do you mean by that, George? Well, what I mean by that is, is this. Have you ever, have you noticed that when you get people together, sooner or later conflict happens? Have you noticed that? I mean, it doesn't matter if you're good friends with somebody. My best friend forever. Sooner or later, something you're, you're going to just rub people wrong. You know what I mean? Like maybe you got up and you got a bad hair day. And, and you just, you know what I'm saying? A bad hair day. For those of you who don't have hair, think of something else. You're just having a bad day, okay? All right. Maybe that is a bad hair day for you, okay? All right? So you got a bad hair day. And you're just a bear that day. And you don't necessarily mean to be that way, but you're just moody. You're gonna, what's gonna eventually happen that day with folks? What? I mean, is everything gonna be hunky-dory that day? In your home, at workplace, or whatever? No! You're gonna have conflict, so conflict happens. Now the basis for true Christian fellowship, John is saying here, is living in the light as Christ is in the light. Why? Because if we have true Christian fellowship, he's going to be revealing in our lives, even through our interactions with brothers and sisters in Christ, that there's a problem in our life. Because the scripture does tell us that if somebody's not doing right, we need to go to them in love and say, hey, here's an area that I think you need to be aware of. You're not doing right in this area. That's all part of the light exposing. Do you understand? That's all part of the light exposing. So, here's what I'm saying. And here's what he says. Living in the light results in the what? The cleansing of our sin. Look at what he says there in verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If I'm walking in the light, I have assurance of that cleansing. You understand what I'm saying? I have assurance of that cleansing. Now he goes on in verse 8. He's going to take it one step further. So he's talking initially about this whole issue of walking in the light versus walking in darkness. If you're walking in darkness and you say you're in the light, you're a liar. Now he goes on in verse 8. It's almost like he's anticipating a question from his readers. Because the question might be, well, you know, okay, I understand what you're saying, John, but I don't have a problem with sin. Okay? I, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, that's true for a Bubba across the aisle or at the next church or in my neighbor, but that's, that's really not true for me. Well, look at what he says here in verses 8, 9, and 10. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Okay, so let's talk, first of all, verse 8, we're going to look at the deception concerning sin. We're going to see the confession of sin in verse 9. And we're going to look at the whole issue of making Christ a liar. So first of all, here's what he's saying. If we claim to have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Now, the word sin here is not an individual. It's, it's, it's the same Greek word that's used in other words, but he's not referring to an individual sin. He's talking about sin in general in your life. If you claim that you don't have any sin in your life, there's a problem. We deceive ourselves. Because here's what happens with human beings. This is a natural human tendency. And the human tendency is this. We tend to grade things on levels. Well, you know today, George, I'm not an axe murderer. I haven't robbed the bank this week, or ever. But, you know, yeah, I do say the occasional white lie, like a phone call comes, and we look at call display, and it's Aunt Bertha, and I don't really want to talk to Aunt Bertha today, so I tell the kids when they answer the phone, tell Aunt Bertha I'm not here. That's the acceptable thing we do, right? We, we, we grade our sins, do we not? I'm not an axe murderer, but lying to Aunt Bertha is okay. Right? If you got an Aunt Bertha, I apologize for using her as an example. Okay? The, the reality is, is we have a, a tendency to grade different levels of sin. And so here's what we do. We say, okay, I'm not an axe murderer. I'm not cheating on my wife. I'm not stealing from my boss. I did my taxes right. I'm okay. You're deceiving yourself. If you've got such a lackadaisical attitude about the stuff in your life, you're just deceiving yourself. That's what John's saying here. You and I need to live with a conscious reality that my heart is wicked. In fact, Jeremiah says, our hearts are so wicked, who can understand them? Even my good intentions are bad, necessarily. You know what I mean? Even the good things that I do sometimes... I may be selfish in my motivation for doing that. See, I've got to live with the reality that I'm a sinner. And if it wasn't for the grace of Christ, I'd be headed where? To hell. I'd be facing his judgment, his wrath. Do you see what I'm saying here? Yeah, Marat. No, no, that's what I'm saying. Yes. Yes, do you understand what he said here? If you hear him, he's saying not every sin is necessarily appears to be bad or evil. But let's say if I go, he uses the term Tarshish, which is where in, in, in Paul's day, let's say I want to go to Myrtle Beach. Is there anything wrong with going to Myrtle Beach? No, I love Myrtle Beach. Okay? But if God told me not to go to Myrtle Beach, now is there a problem? Yeah. I mean, going to Myrtle Beach is okay. Uh, help out the economy of South Carolina, folks. Help it out. That's my home state. Okay? But no, it's, it's a, 
it's not. But if God tells you not to do something, see, even, even doing the right thing could be wrong. That's how wicked our hearts are. See, the point is, is if we claim to have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. Here's what we're doing. He's saying, he goes further and he says, we've not embraced the truth. If we claim to have no sin, we've not embraced the truth. Now, what truth is he talking about here? The truth of the message of the gospel. That Jesus had to come to save us from our what? Sins. See, if I say that I'm doing okay, I don't really have a need for Jesus, do I? Because I'm not an axe murderer. Do you understand what I'm saying? The reality is is that I need Jesus every day. Even on my good days, I need Jesus. Because if it wasn't for Jesus, I'd be facing the wrath of God for my sins that day, even though I think they're okay. Do you know what I mean? Even though I think they're okay. So here we go. Truth refers to the salvation through Jesus Christ alone. That's the truth he's talking about here. So then he comes to verse 9, and he talks about the confession of sin. Now, we like to quote verse 9 all the time, and it's okay the way we quote it, because we want to talk about the reality of God's forgiveness. But in its context, he's talking about it within the context of this issue of you saying you don't have sin, because he wants to make a point here. So what's he saying here? God's people do not deny their sin, but confess it. The reality is, is that God's people have an awareness of their sin and they're confessing it. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're confessing it. God's people aren't making excuses for it. They're saying, you know what, Lord, I'm not doing right there. I, I lied to Aunt Bertha. I just didn't want to talk to her. You know, the better thing would have been is just don't answer the phone. Did you know what I mean? But we think it's okay to answer the phone because maybe we want to hear what Aunt Bertha's got to say, but just don't tell them we're there. You know? The, re- the reality is, is that God's people don't deny the issue of sin in their life. They confess it. Here's what I'm saying. Confession, here's what it is, is an acknowledgement of our sins to God. Confession is an acknowledgement of our sins to God. Here, here's another way to say it. Here's a George Cannon way to say it. Confession is saying, God, I'm telling you what I know you saw me do. I'm telling you what I know you saw me do. So it's not like we're going to God and saying, oh, God, you know, hey, the other day I didn't do right. And you're maybe not aware of this, but I did this, Lord, and I confess. No, he is aware of it. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives within you. God was right there. Nothing escapes his, his understanding and sight. He's sovereign. So confession is simply acknowledging to him what he already knows. The sin in our life. And here's what he says. This is, this is the thing. God is faithful to forgive. Now, isn't that awesome? Let me just stop for a moment. He is not... You could come to a place where you might come to the conclusion about that George is saying, well, man, it's almost like he's trying to say that God wants me to be perfect. No, that is not what we're talking about here. 
There is no way you can be perfect. There is only one who was perfect. Who was that? Jesus. Okay? There's no way. The issue isn't that you need to be perfect. But the issue is that you and I need to be real. What does that mean, George? You and I need to be real to acknowledge, I'm a sinner in need of grace. There is sin in my life. I may not be axe murdering somebody, but I'm a sinner. And I probably have sinned today. In fact, no probably to it. I have sinned today because we sin not just out of awareness, we sin out of ignorance as well. Do you understand what I'm saying? We sin out of ignorance as well. And the reality is, is I acknowledge I'm a sinner, and with that, I'm confessing to my God that I'm a sinner. And God, even forgive me for that which I don't know that I've done. Because I need you. And you can rest in the fact that what? He is faithful to forgive. Isn't that awesome? Because are human beings faithful to forgive? Are they? You know what I mean? We wrestle with forgiveness, don't we? Aren't you glad God's not like us? Because he does forgive. He does forgive. So here's what it does. Confession brings forgiveness and cleansing. This is what he's, John is saying here. Confession brings forgiveness and cleansing. So the issue is, I need to be and realizing and acknowledging where I'm at and being real with my God about my sin. That's what it means to walk in the light. Because if the light reveals something in my life, I don't need to be like, oh, well, I don't really know what that is. No, I know what that is. That's me and my wickedness. And God, forgive me and help me to overcome that. And then he goes right back to verse 10. Look at verse 10. Here's we're going to finish up. Verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So again, if we're claiming that we don't have a problem with sin, here's what's going on. Claiming to have no sin makes Christ a liar. And none of us would say that, right? He's not a liar, is he? I mean, his life's not a lie because he came to what? Die for our sins. He came with the message saying that we needed to accept him and embrace him for our salvation. If I'm saying I'm okay... I don't really have a need for him, do I? But Jesus says, I do need him. So somebody's wrong. And if I'm going to say that I'm okay and I don't have sin in my life, then I'm making him a liar. And we all know that he's not the liar. It's us. I'm not a liar. Folks, we're all liars. It reveals that God's word is not in our lives. That's the whole point he's wanting to make here. See, if you get to that place where you're saying you don't have sin, you make Christ a liar. But if you're also saying that you don't have sin, that you're okay, it's revealing that you don't have the word of God in your life because the word of God is going to expose in your life the reality of your sin and your need for Jesus. See, this is uncomfortable, isn't it? This makes us feel uncomfortable. It's okay to feel uncomfortable. Now, next week, we're going to get into chapters 2, 1, and 2, and John's going to give us an encouragement because you might be saying here, Wow! Well, how can we do this? Well, he's going to tell us next week. Okay.